Welcome to People's Church Podcast. This week is part seven of our series entitled, What Are You Building With Your Life? With a message entitled, The Power of a Healthy Village with Pastor Nelson Jones. Good morning. Uh, Thank you. Somebody's really awake over here. Let me show you a picture to start off this talk with today. Let's throw up that uh, picture. In this picture, you're going to see two of the great... uh, what we, we, call, we call them philosophers. And um, I want to teach you something I've shown them before. Uh, this kind of this battle between even these two in the way they thought has been that which has really set up East and West, Eastern, I don't mean Canada, I mean Eastern cultures, Western cultures. And uh, do we have that picture? There we go. Thank you. So this is a painting, and uh, it was done about 500 years ago. Uh, this painting pictures two philosophers. On the left, your left, you have Plato. And uh, Plato has his finger pointed where? Notice it's not the middle finger either. Okay. Notice it's the pointer finger, and he's pointing towards heaven. Plato's philosophies basically played out this way. In a gen- I'm going to give you a generalized approach to it. Plato basically went at it this way. He said there is a perfect world and then his basic thing was we're not in it. We are in a shadow of that. It's like it's just not the real deal but it is a shadow of the real deal. He was close. Like He's really close on that fundamental to the Christian kind of Uh, view of things. It's not Christian, but it's close. Next, you have Aristotle on the right. He was trained by Plato. Plato trained Aristotle. And so Aristotle, he, you see what he's doing? He's doing this down to the earth. And he's saying, no, what we want to do is have philosophy that is based learning, the deeper learnings that are based only on evidence, only on evidence. So if you don't see it, it isn't real. If you can't touch it, it isn't real. If you can't smell it, it isn't real. Are you getting the the message on it? He's saying only those things which are evidence-based. So you see the two different general approaches. Which one do you think won in Western culture? That is the basis of how our culture actually thinks. Come on, be bold. Definitely Aristotle. Definitely Aristotle. And so that is what has been the uh, fundamental that has governed the way that we think. And it filters every piece of information. You're talking about a philosophy that is like a filter. It sets up how you position whatever comes in to know whether you're going to accept it as true or not as true. And upon what basis are you going to accept its truth? September 11th, we are going to begin a campaign called 40 Days in the Word. That's going to run from Sunday, and it's going to be the Wednesday, big, big function on Wednesday. Uh, Small table groups, uh, we're going to be giving you more information as we go along. That's coming up really quick. In that, what we want to do is take the Christian view and raise the Bible up to a level of understanding that you understand, see, you 
You need to understand why the Bible is credible. You need to know why it is something you can base your decisions on, your life on, your eternity on, and you can trust it. We're going to go into some of the mechanics of that, why you can. Why is this book different than any other book? What is different about it? How did it come to be? We're going to talk about that a little bit, at least in one of those, and we're going to be diving deeper into understanding that. And so we want to deal with basically this kind of division that we find because all around us uh, is the Aristotle kind of interpretation of things. And yet, here's what Jesus taught. See, Aristotle, 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 this is a new philosopher, Aristotle. He is not related to Aristotle, who I'm actually quoting. Aristotle taught seeing is believing. That's what he taught. Seeing is believing. Jesus taught believing is seeing. He taught faith. He taught there's more you can't see than you can see. There's more layers of information below everything you think you know than you know. You think that you are clear about even the physics and the chemistries and the biologies, and yet you haven't scratched the surface. There's more always to what you don't know. Now, you can approach that through evidence-based only, but you can come at it with that which is saying, no, it's through believing and having a right way of interpreting information that allows me to actually see So faith is not some whimsical kind of experience. It's something very real. But it's difficult for people who struggle with this idea of just evidence-based thinking. You need to really think about uh, the application of what that looks like. Because it gets kind of crazy when you really start thinking the logic of evidence-based thinking only. You're going to exclude everything else that you cannot see. In doing that, you have put yourself into a pursuit that is cumbersome, slow, and doesn't envision your learning. Faith and vision go together. Everybody that wants to learn must begin with some kind of picture and what is out there. We just threw a new telescope up there. Isn't it cool? Some of the pictures coming up from back from that. Pretty, pretty cool. Like, they're going right out there, and they said they spotted one way out there, a galaxy. By the way, did you know that, as far as we know, there's like about 400 billion galaxies? Did you, like, did you catch that number? How many here would like just a dollar for every galaxy? How many would be okay? All right. And did you know that in our own solar system, there's a minimum of about 300 million stars up to 400 and some million stars just in our Milky Way. Like, how many want? Never mind. You get it. The math is huge. It's astounding. It's crazy. And, and when they look at that, now they can say, yeah, okay, we're starting to get there and yet there's still more. There's always more. What puts you in touch with more is not just the idea of getting a bigger telescope so I can see it and now I believe it. I can believe it and I'll see it and I'll make my my way towards it. Vision and faith are basically handcuffed together. 
If you're going to have vision, you're going to need faith because vision should always take you outside of what you know and what you know to be sure. Now, let me teach you something about, I've entitled this, The Power of a Healthy Village. But to illustrate it, I want you to take a look at what appears to be, in the scriptures, a very unhealthy village. And the scriptures will explain uh, it to us. In Mark 8, 22 to 26, it says they, meaning Jesus and his disciples, came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him, notice this, led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes, by the way, that's very impolite, even in a healing sense, all right. Spit on a man in his eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? This is the only time Jesus asked this question. Jesus didn't heal the same way every time. Many times it was with a touch. Many times it was with a look. Many times it was just somebody touching him. Other times it was with a spoken word. And uh, here we find he does it in a different way. What is he teaching us by taking a different model here where he asks him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. So once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. You guys had clear vision. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Don't, another says, just don't go back to the village. What was it about this village? Well, let me quote, you know, Mark is polite. Luke is not. If Luke writes about this, Luke just says, Chorazin, Bethsaida. If Sodom and Gomorrah saw the works that you saw and heard what you have heard, they would have repented But you, woe to you, because you've seen and you have not repented. He's saying to these villages, he's saying to Bethsaida, you've seen stuff, you've heard stuff, you've got a bucket full of reasons to really believe. And yet even those reasons don't cause you to believe. They had like a block when it came to vision or when it came to faith. It was a place of dead faith. Yet three different disciples find their roots back back to Bethsaida. How is this possible? It seems like a dead area. And Jesus really spoke tough towards this village. Now the village was not a good setup for faith. You might be living in a village right now like Bethsaida. And I want to talk to you about how how you need to build a different kind of village in your life. We all build villages, okay? Oh, you know what a village is? It's just a place where you and I are neighbors. We just live next door to each other. These folks are in my village. Well, folks, you've got the log cabin over here, and I've got the log cabin over here. No, you've got the log cabin. I've got the stone castle over here. No, I'm kidding. We just live in the same realm. Now, a village can be great or a village cannot be great. So what is it that makes your village great? You're going to build one. And it's really important that you build a great village for yourself and for your family, by the way. 
because the village is going to control a lot of your thinking. It's going to control a lot of your strength, your emotional strength, your mental strength, your spiritual strength. And in this case, Bethsaida seems to have been a spiritual death knell for faith. What was it about this village that Jesus had to take the man by the hand, walk him outside the village? And then demonstrate something. Oh, Jesus could easily have done this, just speak a word and it was done. He did it in a way to illustrate something. This man was not just blind physically. This man and the village he came from had this deep blindness. That's what Luke brings out. They had seen things, they had heard things, and it didn't impact them at all. It never penetrated. Their eyes couldn't take it in. You know, I I, I get scared sometimes because I see with people that God has been working in their life or doing things around them, and, and it's like they're just out of touch with it. They don't see it. That's a scary place to be. Because now you have a village where the very thing that can give you a fresh vision, take you out into the bigger world, understand the purpose and reason and the meanings of life, and begin to find uh, a distinct plan and purpose for your life, and you can't see what's happening. Imagine what Bethsaida was missing out on. Jesus had come. He was bringing the kingdom of God. The eternal had now touched that which is just temporal. He had brought in eternal life's message through grace. He was about to pay for all of this, and they were missing the whole deal. How do you miss it? How do you miss it? In this particular story, this man has a gradual healing. I believe that that's the way it has to be sometimes for people with understanding. Sometimes it's very gradual. At first they see nothing. But if they can get outside the village, their understanding can start to come alive. But when they're in this village of naysayers and people that are are just attacking their faith all the time, and it's no wonder that they're in a place where they, they can't really think about faith, where they really can't negotiate life through faith. They have all of these reasons not to. They have everybody around them in reinforcing filters that exclude believing is seeing. So Jesus once more puts his hands on this man's eyes. His eyes are open. His sight is restored. He sees everything clearly. I've seen this over and over again. I've seen it where people are that way with, with the Lord. Their understanding kind of starts waking up. They start seeing things, but it's still really, really fuzzy. And then it takes time, and it takes time, and then their work of grace continues in their life. And finally, they come to this clear understanding. But I don't see it where they are major players in the villages that won't accept faith. I've never seen it where they won't actually be uh, open themselves up to building new kind of village, new kind of intimate relational world that supports the journey of faith. See, you have to, to build a village of faith, you have to move from Aristotle to Jesus. 
You have to move into a much bigger world, which is basically just saying to you, I need to actually entertain that there are many things I don't see. And the only thing that is going to bring about the things in my life that I even want, the dreams, are going to be faith. By the way, I really believe that because the dead end of what Aristotle actually was bringing has led to a culture and a hopelessness in people when it comes to change and a dearth of meaning. You can't find meaning just in evidence-based living. My gosh. Get married and live together for seven years. Now, based on evidence-based learning, what's the next seven going to be? It might not look so bright. It might not be so great. It might have been actually really, really difficult for you. Marriage in those first years can be, become very difficult. What is going on? Well, two people are learning how to actually serve one another first. They're learning the, the rules of intimacy, forgiveness and cleansing and encouragement and, and supporting. And they're learning things that they have never really had to practice this way before. And if they just work on evidence, they can get to the point where they say, this ain't working. It's not possible. It's not going to happen. Can't happen. Will never happen. I just give up. Because I look back and look at all the evidence why we don't have a future. Well, if you're going to limit, limit that to evidence-based learning, you're absolutely going to get to those kinds of places. But if you can actually go to believing and seeing, you can start to have a village that you build that supports you, your partner, that is feeding, that believing in God matters and it produces the best things and you can actually bring about the change in the marriage by the two people changing from the inside out and becoming better because of the work of God in their life. Their vision can get beyond just the evidence of the rough patch. This is where faith does its best work is when we begin to get beyond just the evidence. I mean, there's people that failed you all kinds of times in places in your life. And it's really easy to write things off and move on. Faith doesn't allow you to do that because faith entertains different future. You, it's invisible right now. But faith believes in the invisible. Faith is seeing the invisible. Hebrews 11 says, 11 6 says, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Okay, God became flesh. And even in doing that, do you know that many, many missed him? There were those that did not, but many, most missed him. You would think that the evidence of the miracles, different times, Jesus said, you've seen the miracles, even back to these villages. See, you have seen and heard things. Jesus said, you'd think you'd believe even just because of the miracles, but no. Because believing in God, believing in Christ is not about seeing a miracle and believing or seeing an evidence like that and believing. It's a faith element in you that responds to a, a, a world that you know is real, but you know it by faith. 
Four kinds of people you need in your village. Let's talk about your village. If you don't have these kind of people in your village, you're in a wrong village. You need models. These are inspirational people. You need people that inspire you. They inspire you with their energy. They inspire you with their encouragement. They inspire you with their dreams. They inspire you because they just can't, this ability to give you that energy and say, you can do this. I know that you can do this. I've done this. I'm with you. What you're doing is worthwhile. They're there. You need inspirational people. Now, right now, take a look at your village. Your village is the closest, let's say, 10 people to you right now. Let's take the closest 10 people to you in your village. You have a village. How many of inspirational people are in there that, that you've got that are really saying, no, I, they're there, they inspire you in your faith. They inspire you in your learning. They inspire you in what you've got in you and bringing that out in your development and your goals. They inspire you both in their own actions but also with their words. You got somebody like that. Your top 10, right? Just, just 10. A mentors or coaches. You need coaches. What's a coach? A coach is basically an equipper. They can only bring out of you and develop what is there, but they are, they are absolutely focused on taking you from where you're at with all that you already have and then taking you to the next levels. And that coach is there to teach you the disciplines of bringing out the best that you've got in you. Who do you have that brings to you the kind of challenges is like a coach. A coach that's saying, hey, here's a part, you keep stepping on these kind of landmines and it's hurting you. This is what you're doing. It's keeping you back from your best game. Until you get, break this cycle, you have a cycle that when this is happening on the field, here's what you're doing. When this is going on on the ice, you have a, you have a cycle that does this. You need to break that cycle. Here's what you need to do. Do you have coaches? You need a coach in your life. You need coaches in your life. Do you have them in that tent? This is your village, your village, your intimate living place, the place where you want to sit down and every exchange makes you a little bit bigger, a little bit better, a little bit brighter. You need that. You need coaches. You need partners. These are dream sharers and they are work sharers. These are people that they really, you share dream with and you guys work together on those dreams. You're partners in, in the dreams and in each other's dreams. You have them that they're willing to say, hey, I'm gonna be a part of this season of your life. I'm gonna be a partner with you in this because I think you really need me in here and I wanna walk with you on this. I'm gonna be there. That You call on them, they're there. They're gonna help you. You need partners. We really do need them. Do you have a partner in that 10? Is there a partner in there? Because if you don't have partners in there, you are really missing. Then you've got, instead you've got, if you don't have the first three that we've talked about so far, you don't have inspirational people, you have people that bring you down. Instead of having coaches, you have people that say, you can't do it. Yeah, what are you doing that for? Why are you gonna take that on? I think you're overrating yourself. I think you're just being proud. I think you're, I, they're fear bringers too. And if you don't have dream sharers and work sharers, then you're, you're, you don't have, you don't understand that without that kind of team in your life, your dream's way too small. If your energies and your faculties and your abilities can fulfill your dream, that's not a dream. 
You need to have partners. And then finally, you need friends. Boy, friendship is, is, it just seems like it's a harder thing in our world to navigate. Our lives are more and more disintegrating between each other, largely because of the way the culture is wired digitally and largely because how we're wired with the way that our uh, society works and, and is set up. Friends, what do they bring? Love and prayer. See, a friend is, is first about just love. They just love you. You've done stupid stuff. They just love you. They're, they're, they're there to pray for you. They're not there to agree with everything that you say or do. But you always know with a friend, they won't take the steps in the opposite direction. They're going to stand there with you. That's friend. Do you have a friend in that 10? Do you have a few friends in that 10? Because if you don't have models, mentors, partners, and friends, folks, you've got the opposite. You're telling me I don't have this. Well, then you have the other, because I know you got a 10. I know you got some top 10. You got the other. And you wonder why Bethsaida is such a difficult place to escape from. It's the village that has been built. It's the neighbors you've put and installed next. It's where he decided to put your house. There is a village you must build as a believer in Jesus Christ that has got faith explosion potentials constantly. You can always get beyond just the Aristotle evidence model. You can move into believing is definitely seeing model and you've got people to help you navigate that path. In 1 Corinthians 3.9 it says, for we are both God's workers and you are God's field, you are God's building. Meaning that we are together in this thing. You've got to have it. Now the things only a healthy village can do for you. If you have a healthy village, here are things it can do for you. If you don't have a healthy village, this isn't getting done, okay? But here's what a healthy village will do for you. A healthy village will make up for your weakness. Some of you are going, whoa, I have a weakness? Yeah, you have a weakness. A healthy village will make up for your weakness. How does it do that? Well, it does it through being a model, a mentor, a partner, and friend. In Romans 1.12 it says, I mean that I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. If you've got a healthy village, then you've got this verse fulfilled. You've got your faith helping others and their faith helping you. What is that? In, in, in Bethsaida they had nothing of the like. Jesus had to take that man outside and then he demonstrated through the model of healing he chose to show you what kind of resistance can be built up so that it takes a graduated amount of things to bring about change. Isn't that interesting when you begin to think about this? And you look at this and you say, gee whiz, I never really thought about my top 10 around me being a village, but they are your village. They are your village. Your weaknesses need others that are going to model, inspire, 
mentor, coach. Partner, dream and work shares. Friends, love and prayer. They'll make up for your weakness because they're going to bring their faith. They're bringing their faith in, in him and in you. The second thing is this. The, 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 these things only a healthy village can do for you. Only a healthy village can bring out the best in you. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. In this particular scripture, we find that it takes iron to sharpen iron. Something hard to sharpen another and turn it into something useful. To turn it into a a cutting edge. It's saying to bring the edge out of you, to bring the sharpness out of you, to sharpen your skills, to sharpen who you are, to sharpen the things that are in you, to bring the best out of you. You've got to have a village to do that. You need another piece of iron. What is that iron? It's a model, it's a mentor, it's a partner, it's friends. Only a village can maximize accomplishment. Ecclesiastes 4 9, you are better having a friend than to be all alone because then you will get more enjoyment out of what you earn. Opportunity and accomplishment increases when you live in a healthy village because now you start really looking at things that are unseen and you can find it far easier to believe that yes, that can happen. And these people are bringing faith and their faith in God into that so that now we can move into God-sized dreams. It will always maximize. A healthy village, you got a healthy 10, they will always maximize your accomplishment. Fourthly, a healthy village is the only thing that can lift you out of your low spots. It's a very, very difficult thing when you get down and you're alone. When there's nobody that you feel that you can really call and you isolate rather back into some form of addiction of use of time and energy, whether that's TV or something else, it doesn't matter. You, you just retreat back in to a closet and seek to get your spirit breathing again and try and find some breath And I will tell you that what you need is a healthy village. Imagine when you're hitting your low spots, you've got a healthy village. And you can just say, I'm discouraged right now. I I just, I'm deeply discouraged. And they get to come around you, not with, well, yeah. I can see, Bethsaida would say, yeah. Yeah, I can see the evidence for that. I see you're having a hard time, all right. Well, you know, this is, This is life. This is what happens. Yeah, you're going to go through all that. Yep. Rather than people coming along that can be a model, an inspiration, somebody that comes along and they say, I want to be a friend here. Let's let's just have some prayer times together. Let's just share a little bit deeper. We need to share a little bit deeper right now in the season you're going through. Hey, you need a little bit of partnership here. I see some of the crashes, right? And it's been hard. It's hard going after what you're in there. But let's just, let's share the load a little bit. Let's get after it. Which, which, which obstacle are we going to take on first together? Where can I bring what I got to your tough path? 
How about a coach just says, yeah, you're in it right now. There's no doubt that you are. And here's the parts of you that are being challenged right now, but here's the best place for you to go forward. Let's work on only this one skill, this one thing, and we're gonna just take it. So right now, we're gonna work on quiet times with God. Let's just take that and let's work that one skill. I'm gonna coach you through this. Here's how we do this. Which do you think is more effective? Which do you think really works? You see the power of a healthy village? You've got a village. Is it healthy? If it's not healthy, you say, what do I do with an unhealthy village? What do I do if I got a bunch of unhealthy things? Build a different core. You're always going to have people that are going to be around your life, but you don't have to position them right next to the most vulnerable places of your life. You need people that are going to speak faith into you. They're going to lift you up truly from a position and a basis that says, hey, you can get through this, not just get through it. We can excel in here. Let's, let's, let us stand with you. We are here. We are your village. Do you need a village improvement Fifth, give your strength against uh, give your strength against tax, attacks and and criticism. Look at Ecclesiastes four twelve. By yourself, you're unprotected. An enemy can attack and defeat you, but two can stand back to back and resist. And the team of three is even better, like a triple braided rope, which does not break easily. Back to back, three's better. A, a village will give you strength against the attacks and criticisms that always come in life. Has anybody here decided to do something really great that was even dream-based and moving forward and not had somebody say to them in not so many words, but I'll just cut to the chase and say, you're kind of an idiot. Why are you doing this? The fact is you're going to take attacks and criticisms in life. And if you're going to be a person of faith and you're going to believe and then see, you're going to believe the marriage can be better and then see it. You're going to believe the economics can be better and then see it. You're going to believe that your health can be better and then see it. You're going to believe that your ministry can enlarge and then see it, that you can have greater influence and then see it, whatever. Can you say, I believe and I will see this? Does your village support it? Here are the five kinds of people who should live in your village. Here's what they should be like. They need to be like this. They want to love and serve God. God is number one. There's not a doubt about it. God is number one. If, you're, if you have at all of your intimate doorways of your heart, you have people that God is not first, then it's going to get mucked up. You're never releasing the great energy and power of faith. How can you live a life of faith and have everybody that's at the key doorways of your heart and your life not be people of faith? How much do you need each other, Christian? First, Second Corinthians 6.14 says, don't team up with those who reject God. 
Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live a powerful, I'm gonna live a powerful life of faith. And at every vulnerable doorway in my heart, I got somebody saying, I just reject God. Don't put them at the doorway. Keep them in your life, but get them to the outer circle. Don't team up with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? Right and wrong don't go together. Now, today they seem to, don't they? But they don't. They are separate. There's right and there's wrong. That's not partnership, he says. That's war. You've, you've created a war in your village. You've got a village that's at war over the most important thing. The love and service of God. Not in my core. Not at my vulnerable doorways. Can light be best friends with darkness? How can Christ and Satan agree on anything? Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Village changes can be hard. But you must take a look at your life from that inner core, the vulnerable doors to your heart. You must take a look and understand you need to have models. You've got to have mentors that are there. You've got to have people like this. If you're not having the right kind of people there with faith and God first, kind of love God first, you're not getting the best out of yourself. And your life and your Christian life is running at a percolating phase instead of boiling. You've got to actually really take on this seriously, this village, because the village affects everything. Jesus takes this man, walks him out of the village, and then he, te- he heals him after, after uh, two, two uh, times that he, he deals with the blindness. And it's interesting, he's dealing with blindness. And then uh, Luke tells the story and says, well, here's why. Here's the condition of these villages. The village this man lived in is full of this. This man had to be taken outside the village. So that God could do something important. So you might need Jesus to take you by the hand and walk you outside the village you've been living in so that Jesus can show himself to you. Because the first face that man saw was Jesus. Isn't that incredible? How's your village? How's it rating so far? How do you have those doors positioned in your life? Who's there? Are they a model, a mentor, a partner, a friend? They got to want to love and serve God. They have to also, they are committed to growing in character. Psalm 1, 1 to 3. It says this, the truly happy person. Okay, you want to be happy. You He's the psalmist, Psalm 1, first Psalm, 149 more after this, says the truly happy person doesn't follow wicked advice, doesn't stand on the road of sinners, and doesn't sit with the disrespectful. You've got layers in your life. You're going to have the bigger villages of the community you live in. That's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that as long as it's out here. If that's your inner circle, your faith can't thrive. It can't expand. It can't grow. Because a truly happy person doesn't follow wicked advice, doesn't stand on the road of sinners, and doesn't sit with the disrespectful. Instead of doing those things, these persons love the Lord's instruction, and they recite God's instruction day and night. They are like trees, look at this, replanted, 
by streams of water which bears fruit at just the right time and whose leaves don't fade. Whatever they do succeeds. That's an incredible statement. If you want your life to immediately go into a huge improvement zone, you want your marriage to really take a notch up, you might need to walk out of your village. I didn't say your marriage, your village. So that you can believe to see and not be basing decisions on what you've seen and therefore that is what, that's the only thing I believe. The possibilities come through faith and vision beyond what the evidence says. Faith is the evidence of that which is unseen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. They are courageous to do what is right even when it is hard. They're courageous to do what is right, even when it is hard. You see courage in these people about their faith. You see that they're not like hiding in some closet and their faith never comes out except in some little extreme comfort zone where there's no challenge. They're courageous. They're going to do what's right even when it's hard. You see it in their families. They're going to do what's right even when it's hard. You see it in their business. They're going to do what's right even when it's hard. Joshua 1.6 says, be brave and strong because you are the one who will help this people take possession of the land which I pledge to give to their ancestors. You need to have that kind of courageous faith. And then he can use you, he can use that kind of person in your life to help you. Man, I, I've got some special people that just have courageous faith. I, that is this one really helps me taking a few bigger bites in my time on some things and the fact is is that I had some people that were really courageous and they were in my inner circle they are in my village fourth they are unfazed by criticism do you know how the criticism is the great slayer of truth in our society Man, you have somebody that, you know, they're standing for something. All of a sudden, they get a few headlines against them. And then all of a sudden, you see the change. Where'd the courage go? What happened there? You need people not like that. You need people that are consistent all the way through. You need people that they are unfazed by criticism. Matthew 5, 10 to 12 says, God blesses those people who are treated badly for doing right. They belong to the kingdom of God. God will bless you when people insult you, mistreat you, and tell all kinds of evil lies about you because of me. Be happy and excited. You will have a great reward in heaven. People did these same things to the prophets who lived long ago. He's saying you're in good company. He said you need people that are willing to take the criticism and still do what is right. They're unfazed by the criticism. They continue with a consistency of their, of their belief. They continue in their stand. They just are unfazed by criticism. And then lastly, and this one's really important to have. You gotta have people that have this. They take bold risks in faith. Acts 15, 26, men who have risked their lives for the name of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is part of Paul's team. He, he, was a smart, he was a smart cookie. 
And he had guys already that had risked their lives. He knew they had. And he made them part of his inner village. So when he went on missionary journeys, he had a really strong village that was there with him. And these people had taken bold risks in faith. Man, these are special people. Uh, If you have one right now in your village, you just need to love on them, be so thankful and grateful for them because that's the kind of person that's going to push you out of your comfort zone, both by what they they are doing themselves as an example, but they're not going to let you stay in the haystack, sound asleep and and, and quiet and comfortable. They want you to move on. They've taken bold risks and they're doing it and they don't stop. There's a great verse. Actually, I'm trying to remember exactly where it was, but it's in, it's in the Psalms, I believe. And it talks about that even in, even in their old age, these people, they stay, say everything, their lives just stay green and growing. Even when they're old. Acts 13, 36. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, you, you can't do that without taking bold risks in faith. He fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. Every child of God can defeat the world and our faith is what gives us this victory. No one can defeat the world without having faith in Jesus as the son of God. You want to defeat the world that is going to bring you depression and and just make you focus on yourself and turn you into a victim of something or a multiple victim of many things. You You want the world in charge of your life. It just happens. Just move downstream. But if you really want to have a healthy, faith driven, strong life, then you're going to have to have the right village because it's a village journey. You have to have the right village. And you might have to be making some changes in that village starting today. Not necessarily everybody being booted out, but you need to look at what is closest to me. What is in my most closest doorway? Is it making me bigger? Is it taking me into greater things? Is it taking me into believing and then seeing? Or is it just reaffirm seeing and believe? Yeah, give up on that. Give up. The guy's a jerk. Give up on that. The woman is crazy. Give up on that. The business is over. Give up on that. I mean, what do you want? Because you get to build your village. You're building a village. You've built one. You may need to change some of it. You may need to make some adjustments. My guess is you do. You will always be glad you did. Now, what did we do? We go to prayer. And we say, God, some of my doorways to the most vulnerable parts of my heart, I got I got wrong people standing at them. God, would you bring me someone, show me, direct me. Lord, give me courage to move them away from that zone where they cannot be a model for me. They're a bad model for me. Mentor, they can't mentor me, Lord. They're not the ones to mentor me. Uh, They're not great partners. They're not great friends. Because, Lord, they're not coming from that place. I'm stuck in Bethsaida. Just to finish this off, let's go to verse 25, right at the very first scripture, the very first scripture. And I'm going to go to verse 25 and just pick it up there. 
Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and his eyes were open. His sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into that village. Don't go back to that village. Other virgins say, don't you dare go back to that village. Because in that village, God won't be able to do much in your life. He can't open your eyes, your inner eyes. He can't open your eyes of faith. You need to change the village. Would you stand with me, please? Fathers, we bow our heads. We thank you, Lord God, that, Lord, all around us, I know that you have placed people that really can belong at the doorways to our heart and those most vulnerable parts where we need models and we need mentors and we need friends and we need partners. Lord, I pray that you'll give some courage out here today. Lord, just kind of pour it out just by your spirit. Lord, just, just take a little bit of oil, Lord, and pour it into people's hearts that they need to get courageous about their village and they need to start thinking about who's really in the center and is it really taking my life and making it more? Is it leading me into believing and seeing or is it only on the evidence and then out of that comes the bitterness, the resentment, the hopelessness of a future that could be different? Lord, I pray that there would be a change of heart and a faith that gets built because, Lord, we are willing to change a village. Lord, I pray that you convict us of wrong relationships in our life, ones that are not feeding our faith, our forward movement. I pray that, Lord, you give us wisdom in it, Lord, to see what we're looking for as we've talked about today, to know what does a one look like that, that village has to make up for my weakness. It has to bring the best out of me. It, it, it has to help me with maximizing my accomplishments. It, it must lift me out of low spots. It's got to give me strength against attacks and criticism. This is not the grouping that's going to do it, Lord. I need to be replanted by a stream. I need a different stream. God, this is a high list to have this kind of people in our lives. Ones that love and serve you. Committed to growing in their character. They're courageous. They do what's right even when it's hard. They're unfazed by criticism. And man, they live bold. They live bold. They take bold risks in faith. But Lord, I want that list. That's who I want at the door. I ask you to help me in this. I ask you to provide for me in this because I want to live a big life of faith, seeing the invisible. Thank you, Father. May your wisdom direct us now and uh, may we get about building a stronger village so that our lives can break out of that bad village, experience Jesus, see him clearly, and never go back to that other village. In Christ's name we pray, 
Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. Thank you.